employers, you better find a way. And if you're going to say no, you can't accommodate, you better ensure that you've consulted legal counsel and that they're on board because they're the ones that you're going to have to go back to when you have a lawsuit that you have to defend against your hiring practices. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of While We Were Working, the show that helps you be a better people leader in your small business and startup. We've got a phenomenal episode in store for you today with two topics that could really impact your business in very different ways. So this week, we're putting on the topics of uh, potential discrimination issues when using AI in hiring and how to avoid them according to the EEOC. And we're talking about what to do if you suspect an employee is taking slick time because they've quote unquote tested positive for COVID. We've got an interesting story to tell and some tips so you don't want to miss it. As always, you're listening and watching Joey Price, founder of Jumpstart, as well as Summer Keytron, our consulting practice manager here. So, Summer, let's go ahead and transition into the segment while we were working. And can you let people know what this segment's all about? Absolutely. And welcome to today's show, everybody. We are so excited you're here. And we hope that you will stick around for both segments of our show. Because if you uh, if you stick around to the second half of our show, we've got a really interesting story that I think will give you some real insight. Uh, but our while we were working segment is where we take a look at the latest articles and news in the people leadership space. And we pick one to talk about that we think is really important for you to know more about how it may impact your business, because we know you probably may not, you probably didn't catch it because you were so busy working. Yeah. And this week we are talking about something that is not always dinner table conversation. It's not always water cooler talk. It's the use of artificial intelligence in hiring. And this one is somewhat a blast from the past, but a fairly recent past. Uh, it's from May 12, 2022, the, which is the last time that the EEOC issued guidance on this topic regarding the use of software, algorithms, and artificial intelligence in assessing job applicants and employees. Now, before we dive into the weighty issues of this topic, um, let's kind of catch people up to get a baseline expectation and understanding of maybe how software, algorithm, and AI how are we seeing it used for applicants or what are some common practices to use uh, these, these things in, in hiring? That's a really great question. I think it is important to familiarize everybody with these uh, 
if they aren't already just to know what they are and how they're being used. I would say that this list is growing what feels like almost on a daily basis as new tech is coming out. But right now, uh, tools such as resume scanning, uh, video interviews, um, there's a whole host of tools that measure um, what's considered job fit. So that might be uh, assessments for personality, aptitude, um, cognitive scores, or perhaps even programs that are measuring like keystrokes or speech patterns. So these are all tools that are available today that some companies are using as part of their assessment uh, to determine if they're going to move somebody forward in the applicant process. Yeah, and I'll even go as, as far to say that even a word processor is a software that's used in the hiring process because we all know that one thing hiring managers love to do is weed people out because of spelling mistakes and typos and grammar and just the simple act of loading a uh, resume onto your screen if it's a Word document. If you see that squiggly line maybe one or two many times, you're probably developing a potential bias towards that candidate and say, oh, well, you know, their attention to detail is is not right. So that's one that we that we often overlook. But Summer, you you mentioned a whole host of them, the video interviewing, the algorithms, the resume rankers, resume scanners, keyword screeners. Um, you you name it, the sites that test and give ranking for aptitude on maybe computer programming topics, so on and so forth. So the use of software, uh, algorithms, and artificial intelligence these days it's it's ubiquitous. Uh, it's it's everywhere. Um, you can't find many places where um, these don't play into the hiring process which makes it a big deal that the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has guidance about how to use these tools effectively. Because the absence of guidelines and guardrails, which we talked about last episode with our remote work policy uh, episode, the absence of guard guidance and guardrails will create uh, biases, it will create negative outcomes, and um, we don't want to see that. And so uh, let's, let's unpack this article that is um, from J.D. Supra. Uh, it's a legal, legal website. Um, let's unpack a little bit more. What are some of the thoughts or trends that you're seeing? Well, first, I wanted to just say we absolutely love tech, but it's really important that we have uh, just an awareness of the impact that this technology can have on some applicants. And so when I, when I was reviewing the guidance from the EEOC, I thought, okay, like we've got to this point to where, you know, they've, they've issued their guidance. Again, it's, you know, setting that clear expectation so that companies can develop processes and policies um, to stay within the confines of the law. And when we start to look at the negative outcomes that some of these tools can result in, um, you know, when it comes to the Americans with Disability Act, we we commonly just refer to it as the ADA. It's much easier to say. Um, 
these tools, unfortunately, can screen out individuals that have a disability um, just because it is part of the algorithms. And so, in short, the EEOC has said that, you know, if you're screening out individuals due to their disability, like, quite simply, if they could perform that job with a reasonable accommodation, then screening them out, even if it's through this technology, it's against the law. And we can never uh, confuse efficiency with potentially discriminatory practices. And so mm-hmm. I, I just would echo the fact that um, you have to take a look at your screening process and the outcomes that it's producing and uh, realize that you may be setting yourself up for potential liability if uh, it's shown that your practices uh, are, are discriminatory. What else are, we, are you saying? Well, on that same note, Joey, I'd also mention that uh, by just using a third party to administer these assessments, you're not in the free and clear because the EEOC also said in their guidance that employers are actually still responsible for the outcomes if they violate any laws, even when they're administered by a third party. So I think the biggest takeaways for companies using this type of tech is just to really dig into the details um, of you know what processes are in place um and you know first and foremost just ensuring that um, employers are providing reasonable accommodations to applicants so they can be rated fairly and accurately and that um, they're also indicating on these assessments that a reasonable accommodation is available yeah, and and we'll go into some other tips to to prevent the, the potential discrimination too. Um, I want to spend some time just a little bit talking about that third party relationship and why it's so important to have a, a understanding of your third party's uh, processes and the tools that they use. Um, because you, we we often you know when we when we work with a third party. We hire for outcomes, right? So we say, hey, we want to hire you to find X talent that can do Y thing in Z location, right? But the thing that we, f- we forget is that I always, I'm like an analogies person. Um, we, don't, we don't always know how the soup is made, right? So we don't always know how they're getting to where they, we don't always know how they're getting to the ultimate candidates that they're selecting. So if you are working with a third party, it makes sense to spend some time and ask, hey, what does your selection process look like? What are the tools that you're using? Um, you know, from a from a DEI perspective, what uh, areas are you are you posting a job to? What job sites are you posting to? And what are the typical results that you see? What priorities do you have in evaluating a candidate? And how do they align with the priorities that we have in evaluating a candidate? And so the more you can ask these questions, the more you'll get an understanding of that third party's approach to hiring. And it'll help make all the difference in creating a uh, discrimination-free process when you've invited more people to lead and coordinate the process. 
Let's go to talk about some of the other tips to prevent discrimination. Yes, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the term reasonable accommodation, because this also comes up quite frequently when I'm speaking with our people leaders and we're talking about candidates and, you know, what the, um, you know, what the right skill set looks like. And it reminds me of a conversation um, I actually had quite recently where a hiring manager said, well, I would never be able to hire somebody for this job if they couldn't carry, I think it was like 20 pounds. And it was a piece of equipment that's pretty necessary for their business. And I said, well, you know, well, tell me why. So we kind of dug into the details. And when I got to the bottom of it, I realized that this hiring manager just wasn't familiar with the necessity to provide reasonable accommodation. So we kind of walked through it. And I said, well, would you be able to hire somebody who's actually able to care to lift this um, like supported by a dolly, right? And would that work? We kind of walked through it a little bit and, you know, ultimately landed in a place where um, this person, like this hypothetical person could perform the job with a reasonable accommodation. And so kind of the long and short of this is that you really need to be thinking about could somebody with a disability perform the necess- like the necessary aspects of the job with a small modification? And if the answer is yes, then you need to not exclude them from your, from your process. And when it comes to whether an accommodation is considered reasonable, it's the burden is actually on the employer to prove that it would not be reasonable. So kind of the hidden message there is employers, you better find a way. And if you're gonna say, no, you can't accommodate, you better ensure that you consulted legal counsel and that they're on board because they're the ones that you're gonna have to go back to when you have a lawsuit that you have to defend against your hiring practices. That's it, that's it. So we could talk about these things all day, but I know we've got a busy audience Uh, Let's go ahead and transition into Consultant's Corner. And as always, if you have a question that you want us to tackle in Consultant's Corner, reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. In Consultant's Corner, we like to give you the good, bad, and ugly about things that we're seeing in our day-to-day, as well as questions, comments, issues that you're seeing in your space uh, that you would want us to give some insight on. Uh, now this week we've got an interesting question. Uh, I, you know, I can't believe it, Summer. I see the uh, hospitalization numbers, and I think we're on like, you know, COVID, COVID thirty four at this point. Um, but it is still a part of our day to day, and so one of the things that is still uh, top of mind is individuals who need time off because they may have contracted COVID-19. Now, for every person who is honest and has a test and um, says, hey, I'm down for a little bit, I need some time to recoup, there are times when people may be faking it. Uh, Matter of fact, I saw a, uh, a thread on Twitter recently uh, of people posting their COVID tests 
and saying, hey, here's the one to use to prove that you got it. And then here's the one to prove that you uh, that you are um, now COVID free. So so there's a there's a culture brewing around negative or, or false false COVID test uh, information. So so we got this question in about what would you do if you suspected an employee was faking COVID to get time off? And uh, Summer, I think you have a, a unique perspective on that question. Um, whereas I'm just kind of I'm seeing it out in the social spaces. You're you're seeing it seeing this question in the day to day. So, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's you know it's it's concerning to me that we're still talking about COVID years later, and I'm sure everybody is exhausted over this topic. But it is still playing out uh, in the workplaces, and so I thought this was a great topic to discuss because earlier on. I was not getting these same questions. If uh, an employee said they had COVID, employers were like, okay, no problem, we'll do whatever you need, take your time. Like, But I feel like as time has gone on, uh, I'm starting to see individuals uh, that maybe have had uh, multiple absences, um, maybe there's performance concerns, and there's kind of other things that are now raising the flag from the employer side where they're like, okay, like maybe, but really, uh, to where they're starting to question it. And so when I'm speaking with people leaders and, you know, and they're like, I'm not sure if they're faking it or not, you know, I ask them, well, do you, do you have these same suspicions if the team member said that they were sick for any other reasons, right? Because I feel like we, we should be putting this really in the same category of not just faking COVID, but faking really anything else in order to get time off. But where I think COVID specifically can be a little bit different in terms of, uh, shall we say, severity of perhaps faking it is because some states actually provide uh, paid benefits, right? So it's kind of a different level of dishonesty, shall we say? I was looking into that now because the uh, the federal uh, provisions expired in uh, 2020, 2021, but some states have continued, such as New York being one, um, where in some cases employees have that time. But but it's not everywhere, and so I think that's even you know, checklist to do item number one is know your state's policy around COVID leave. Uh, if it's paid, if you have to track it using a specific um, leave category, um, and if there's some sort of reimbursement program that they have, um, which would have followed the, nat the federal trend where um, you could get some sort of reimbursement for that time off. Um, yeah, I would say uh, that some companies require um, even like proof of a doctor's note or test, while others don't. And while I think that it's completely fine to have different company policies, you know, there's definitely some advantages and disadvantages that I wanted to discuss. Um, you know, the advantage is that, you know, if you are requiring documentation, I think you're less likely to have individuals that will provide fake results. Uh, but then, of course, the downside is then um, 
you know, you're going to require team members um, to potentially go to a doctor or have to go out and get a test when, you know, they maybe shouldn't be out in public if they're truly sick and they're making it more difficult for them to take the time off that they truly need. Not to mention now having um, a doctor's note or medical records that you then have to ensure that you're protecting. So just a lot of considerations. Do you have any other thoughts on on that specifically, Joey? Um, I, I, I am not a fan of the doctor's note in this situation. Um, similarly, because, you know, if if a person is sick and they're waiting around in the doctor's office, they could get sick to a greater extent and they could con- contaminate other folks uh, who might be in close proximity, especially considering, you know, there aren't mass mandates to the same degree as as there were before and a lot of our life is getting back to normal i don't think folks are washing their hands as much or hand sanitizer as much so and with the cases being so high um the reported cases being so high so in in this case i would err on the side of trust but verify and um maybe ask for the test and I'll tell you, so for one company, um, I had to do a, a video shoot and I had to hold the test up to like a website that shows the time, date and um, kind of like where, like the time and date so that I could prove that it was really me. Um, maybe something like that, but anything beyond that, I think um, would, would be potentially dangerous for the employee and would be an unnecessary burden. I think most companies that are requiring documentation of positive test results are are pretty lenient um, in what they're willing to accept. And there's uh, one one story that I wanted to share with you about a company um, that um, did collect test results. And um, when they had a team member who reported that they needed to take time off for COVID, you know, did kind of raise uh, raise a red flag simply because this individual had several absences leading up to this. That was just kind of like, wow, like an, another request. Okay, and uh, when they received the results, um, it it also was a little concerning because they had never seen this type of test before. And in this area, you know, they kind of find that there's a general assortment of the same tests being used and submitted which then prompted um, further research into um, the validity of this name brand test. So it was determined through um, some, some careful sleuthing that this test that was submitted was not only a test that wasn't available in the U.S., but that was a picture of a test that's um, shall we say, available on the internet to wow. anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I use this as kind of a lesson for other employers that if they are going to request tests um, to just ensure that, you know, they, um, they have a process that they're following to protect the information, but that if they have a team member that they um, do find out is is uh you know faking their results in order to get time off that that's actually a terminatable offense 
um, you know, and, and some of the processes that could be put in place, like the one that you explained, Joey, is brilliant. I think um, one of the tips that companies can do uh, to remove the possibility of what I, what I described with that fake test is having an individual submit a photo ID along with their test. It's not foolproof, but it at least requires that they have a positive result test in their possession. And this topic makes me think too about why companies would benefit from partnering with us because yes, it's important to have the policy, but the the strategy and tactics of navigating something like this isn't something that a typical manager sees every day. And I say it all the time, you can't trust your gut or Google when it comes to uh, significant HR things. And so you want to have someone in your corner that can help coach you through how to make this, how to make this happen uh, and do it the right way. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of places along the way um, that while good intentioned uh, can actually you know, create some some legal issues if these items aren't navigated carefully. So, I think uh, you know we we aren't going to see COVID going away anytime soon. I suspect that we will, uh, you know, continue uh, to navigate the various state um, leave requirements. Uh, but if you're a small business out there needing help navigating these. Uh, or any other HR matters, we would love to chat with you. Yes, we would. And you can reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com. Um, you had mentioned early, earlier, I think we've got a little bit more time so we can kind of unpack a little bit, that, that COVID uh, is just one incident where people might uh, attempt to uh, fudge their time. Um, I... I think about this from many different angles. I, I think, yes, you have the bad apples that will take advantage of an opportunity. But I also think there's something to be said about environments where people feel like they can only get time off if they're sick. And so not to not to turn this around and, and say like, it, it's, it in any way would be an employer's fault, but like what what sort of uh, values or environment should an employer have so that you could expect honesty and integrity when it comes to to pay time off or vacation or sick leave? Well, I think you know the the saying that um, you know you receive trust when you give trust. Uh, is definitely true. I think that creating that culture of trust is the foundation and that um, the vast majority of team members, you know, in those environments where I think there's strong relationships that are built, individuals that trust each other, there are conversations uh, that, that occur that when a team member needs time off, companies going to, in most cases, do what they can uh, within reason to provide them that time off because, I mean, that's the right thing to do. But then on the other hand, there are sometimes employees that either take advantage or perhaps they're no longer happy at the company for a variety of reasons. 
and then no longer feel like that trust is there. And I think that that's where we start to see performance challenges that morph into other issues um, that can ultimately result in needing to part ways. Yeah, I agree. I, I think having that culture of trust and giving it to get it is super important. And, you know, it, it takes time. It, it's one of those things that you need to develop before you have a situation that comes into play. Um, mm-hmm. So all the more reason to, to, to create a great culture, to build a, a good team and uh, keep that top of mind. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and land the plane here, but would love to hear from you uh, if you're facing a topic like uh, COVID leave or if there's anything else we can do to help. So reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com and we'll follow up with more great episodes next week. See you later. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights, check out whilewewereworking.com.